Well, hello, and welcome back to another fine, fun edition, scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I'm your host, Stephen LeBooth. <laughs> I got some great stuff for you today, some stuff that will scare you. I hope you're not as scared of the water. <clears throat> but how's everybody? Before we get into the show, if you're listening to this on your uh, Spotify or whatever, go ahead and hit that follow button. That way you'll get notifications whenever I do something. Go ahead and do that. And uh, hey, forever in a, on the YouTube side, I'm doing a video right now while I'm doing the audio. So heck to the yeah. And what I might start doing is uh, do some videos, but do it on the Patreon side or something. I don't know. Just some throwing around some ideas. I don't know. If you like the videos, tell me. You know, whatever. Thumbs down, thumbs up. Hey, I can take criticism. Tell me my voice sucks or the show sucks. I ain't going to get mad. Anyways, <coughs> want to give a shout out to all of the followers, our numbers keep growing, and it's amazing. We've hit 4,000, baby, downloads. In two years, I've hit 4,000. I know you're thinking to yourself, well, that's nothing. Well, yeah, I'm not a celebrity. If I was a celebrity doing this, and I've only gotten 4,000 in two years, I'd be like, what the hell? But I'm just a nobody. And, number one, I don't advertise. So this is all just word of mouth. Only advertising I do is the for my other shows on the podcast. So <clears throat> for a guy who's doing it himself and starting out from the bottom and working my way up, I think I'm doing pretty damn good. So back off. <clears throat> but yeah, I just want to tell you um, I appreciate it. I'm thankful. And uh, hey, just keep listening and passing the word. And I've noticed we got some new countries coming on listening. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, before we get too involved and deep to it, uh, like I said, I don't get political on there or nothing, but just want to give a shout out to Ukraine. Y'all keep fighting. Anyways, um, yeah, shout out. Good uh, shout out to all the new uh, listeners and followers we got. Numbers are getting bigger. And like I said, that's awesome. You know, so maybe on YouTube and on this uh, audio part, Y'all can start downloading some more and maybe you can get me up to 5,000 like quick. That'd be cool as hell. Well, if you heard the noise in the background, I had to stop. I had technical problems. My studio dogs were in here playing and knocked the curtain that I put up when I'm doing a live stream, when I'm doing a YouTube my YouTube channel. So sorry about if that. Sorry about the stoppage there. Okay. But anyways, um, like I said, thanks to everybody. For listening, and uh, hey man, you guys are awesome. I got some very good fans. I'm amazed by the followers I get and all that. It's just, it's amazing. And it's amazing the different um, uh, countries that listen to the show too. I just, I love it, so. Well, I guess we'll start getting on to this stuff for you little girls and guys out there. <clears throat> Why don't you set back with your favorite cup of coffee, your favorite cup of joe. Set back, relax with a nice warm blanket, and get ready to be scared. <laughs> From Stephen LeBooth, yes. Well, 
our first story is the Hales Bar Dam in Marion County, Tennessee. It has a it has quite the uh, bad history and paranormal sightings to live up to the uh, to that to the uh, description of the place. Yet the former owners of Hills uh, Bar Dam haunted tourists skipped town in March of 2019. Hmm. Without a without an explanation and without refunding. <clears throat> repaid fees for future tours. Did something scare them away or were they just uh, fly-by-night uh, con artists as they had their sights set on sats like uh, hunt cunts? Hmm. <laughs> well, anyways, if you are looking for a, I don't know why it opened up like that. That was kind of fucking weird. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe a uh, ghost scared them off, or they just took everybody's money and ran. Okay, if you're looking for a place that's almost certain to be haunted, you be you will be hard pressed to find a better location than the old the old Hales Bar Dam on the Tennessee River. Prior to the construction of the dam, the part of the river flowing through the uh, Tennessee River, George, was filled with navigation uh, navigational hazards that made passengers precarious at best, deadly at, deadly at its worst. Native Americans referred to one deadly uh, whirlpool as the suck because they because they thought they they could see the souls of their ancestors being sucked into it along along the along with anyone else who got too close the they believed the waters of the river were scared and after the illegal the oh and then after the tragedy of these Sycamore Shoals in 1775, the war, tree, uh, war chief dragging canoe cursed the land around it, vowing that the dark and bloody land would be unpredictable and uninhabitable to anyone that attempted to settle here. Hey, you boys better be knocking it off. You hear me, Max? Okay, let me flip the page. <clears throat> the Hellbar Dam completed on November 1st of 1913 of the, uh, of the Hills Bar Dam on the Tennessee River on Morton County, Tennessee. It was built to solve the hazards, if not the curse. But surprisingly, no Native Americans, it didn't, uh, oh, not surprisingly to Native Americans, though. It did not, it, uh, it did not, hundreds of workers died building it. And at least two children died in the crude tunnel under the dam built so they, uh, they could walk to these, to the school. So they had a little tunnel 
under this dam, apparently, and I guess it collapsed and killed some children. The dam flooded nearby Long Cemetery before anybody could remove the remains of the headstones. It's said that some of the ghosts seen at the dam belonged to the workers, the children, and the members of the members of the Long family buried there. So, they didn't get the uh, tombstones and all that out in place, or out in time, so when it flooded and the lake filled and all that, uh, apparently these people's uh, whole lot, cemetery lot got flooded. It's pretty sad. But stuff like that happens a lot. Money, money, money gets in the way, and they're like, ah, fuck it, we ain't gonna move it. Okay, where was I? Sorry, my pages are sticking together. Then, there's the leak. The the dam began leaking almost immediately after it opened, and it continued despite... Continuous repairs until it was replaced in 1967 by the Nick Jack Dam, the oh the Nicka Jack Dam, which flooded the Cherokee village of Nick Jack in the uh, Nick Jack Cave, for which the village was named for. Well, that sucks, cause that's like, see, that's the one thing I hate about when man kind goes in and builds stuff and does that they take the natural natural history and the stories and the now no one can go explore that ever or go see so that sucks uh where was i before i got on my rant it was replaced okay but nickachak dam which flooded the cherokee okay uh cave for which the village was named Needless to say, ghost hunters might want to keep an eye out for Cherokee spirits. Throw through a threw in a demon in the uh, tunnel at the ghost of the murder murdered woman in the abandoned building, and it's no wonder it's called one of Tennessee's most haunted locations. And no surprise that the former tour operators may have been spooked out of town. A member of the paranormal investigations have attendance the pre- or felt the presence of spirits when they have done a, you know, their ghost hunting. Ah. The good news is the ghost hunters are welcome again to Hills Bar Dam, Marina and uh, Marina Marina and Resort. The upcoming November November event is called the Six Fears Hell Six Fears Hell's Beer Dam or Bar Dam, and the new owner will be conducting tours starting in September. Ooh, all right. Well, that's cool. Well, that's kind of weird that the people just left like that. But hell, you never know what they what you know. Um. Spooked them. You never know. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. I'm telling you. Okay. Let's take a little five-minute break right here. Well, I mean five-minute break. We're going to take a quick commercial break there, guys. We'll be right back. Well, how's 
everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is it, some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We gonna get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day. Talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts. Do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Booseville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Corner. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher. Pandora, iHeart, uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, baby, because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dine with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that commercial break. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to our next story. Our next story is about Lake Superior. And this is a huge lake. Oh, and good news. I went to get, get my eye exam. So maybe my glasses won't be glaring so much when I'm doing these YouTube videos. And I had to get bifocals. So I won't be straining and putting my glasses down now like an old man. So, hey. It's massive still hold. Uh, I guess it starts out talking about a, uh, excuse me, one of the ships, uh, one of the ships that sunk there or something. The, it's massive still, still hold, hold fra- uh, freighter measures about 525 feet long. That's five football fields long, everybody. Uh, it's 525 feet long, 55 feet wide. Uh, I think I got that wrong. Sorry. I think I misinformed you. That's not five football fields. I was thinking yards. I'm a dumbass. All right. Anyways, and it's 55 feet wide and it's 31 feet tall. Man, that damn thing's, I bet you weighs a lot. 
<clears throat> the USS Henry B. Smith <clears throat> was built especially to withstand strong storms in the Great Lakes. However, the massive freighter was no match for the Great Lakes storm on November 9, 1913. <clears throat> Carrying a cargo of iron ore, she was last near or saw near or she was lost near Markwitz, Michigan, and all 25 people aboard the ship uh, uh, disappeared with the ship, so they weren't found. Even though the SS Henry B. Smith does not have any chilling stories behind it, it haunted it haunted explorer haunted explorers for more than a uh, century. So it's haunted explorers for more than a century. And after her disappearance, the USS B. Henry Smith was the most sought after ghost wreck for more than a hundred years. She was finally found in 2013 at a depth of 535 feet in near uh, Marquita. Man, that's see them Great Lakes are deep. That's what people don't understand. Them things are deep. That's five hundred and twenty-five feet, man. That's fucking deep. Ugh. Okay, the Hudson built in the uh, built in eighteen eighty-eight in in Detroit. The Hudson was popular was a popular ship measuring measuring two hundred and eighty-eight feet. It was one of the finest vessels on the Great Lakes at the time. While, cro while crossing Lake Superior from Duloff on September 16, 1901, the ship sank near Kinua Point. The Hudson, the Hudson probably scuttled to a uh, scuttled up, up to a various storm while carrying a flex and wheat cargo and was never seen again her hull was prone to shifted to shifting in big waves all the the hull was prone to shift in big waves which likely caused it to lose uh balance and sink well yeah if that cargo's in there sliding like this eventually it's going to catch and just pile off bam bam and just that makes sense However, that's not the end of the story for the Hudson made her own legend. According to uh, hearsay, a tugboat captain and his mail were traveling, like, traveling Lake Superior on September 16, 1940. As they approached, approached the Kikanoa uh, Point, they uh, saw a rusty ship covered with muddy and heading covered with mud and heading towards their direct direction the tug captain was able to avoid the collision collision with the ship as in, instinctly decided him he boomed the muddy ship to see if it was uh, in distress but was only greeted with a ghost ship of the Hudson's captain and crew, the the ghost are the ghost. The ghost told the uh, lung captain that relife the uh, sinking 
of the ship. They relive the sinking of the ship every year in September, on September 16th. The captain jumped overboard and swam back towards the tugboat in icy cold waters. Well, that scared the shit out of me, too. So apparently, this ghost comes back on its um, anniversary to relive that ship. That would be weird. I would hate that, being stuck in a cycle like that. Okay, here's another one. <clears throat> the SS Western Reserve. The, U the SS Western Reserve was one of the first steel freighters to set sail on the Great Lakes. The ship was 41 feet wide and measures 31 feet long. And on August 30th, 1892, the SS Western Reserve went to get a load of iron ore but broke in half and sank in the sank in a fair, the freely mild storm. The sinking occurred offshore of Deer Park, Michigan. After the incident, a re a report surfaced about the construction of the Western Reserve. The ship was allegedly built with weak with weak steel that was condemned for the sulfur and uh, sulfur. This led this led to the creation of new laws and testing regulations for steel used in shipping or in uh, ship shipbuilding hold your tongue and say shipbuilding right now if you're if you're at the office driving in your car stop right now hold your tongue and say shit i mean say shipbuilding yes and then after you say shipbuilding Hold your tongue and say, my mother works in a shipyard. Tell me how that goes. Okay, where was uh Still used in the ship. So basically it sank because the ship still was weak. One of the, uh, out of the crew of 27, which included the owner and the, uh, the famous banker, <coughs> Peter Mitch and his family were on family only one man survived the disaster the willsmen named harry stewart another strange thing about the sinking of the western reserve tells about a dream about a dream of captain trudel of the great lakes life-saving services in his uh, dream he is reportedly visually visualized Every delight of the disaster, in fact, in his dream was so ridiculous that he even recognized the body of Mitch when they found it on shore. Ooh, that's creepy. Today, some of the urban legends claim the Western Reserve uh, still appears as a ghostly apparition near Deer Park. It's said that during uh, during good weather, especially on calm nights, the voices and uh, laughter of those aboard the uh, ship linger from the uh, lake's waters. 
Wouldn't that be crazy? You're on a lake that's so big that you can't see across it. Like when you get in the middle of it, you're like out in the middle of fucking nowhere. You are. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, I believe we have... Okay, another one. This one is the SS Bannamark, a.k.a. the Flying Dutchman of the Lake Superior. Have you heard of the Flying Dutchman? They got a Flying Dutchman for everything. Everything. All right. The massive ship was uh, usually profiled as a vessel measuring 254 feet long and 450 feet wide. Mainly seamen at the time would recognize her from from, uh, afar. (laughs) I said seamen. (laughs) During her service... During her service, that does not even sound right. Anyways, during her service, she began a a familiar sight on the Great Lakes while hauling grain for the uh, Montreal Transporting Company. However, on the night of of November 21st, 1901, while carrying a load of wheat on her uh, her war to Solok, from Port Arthur, she disappeared without a trace. No disappearance is considered out of the uh, biggest mysteries of the sea vessels lost at sea on the uh, on Lake Superior. All twenty-one people vanished along with her, and no bodies were ever recovered. Aside from a uh, life preserve, no other items were ever found from the ship. Excuse me. Before her disappearance, the Flying Dutchman had two major incidents. In April of 1897, she ran aground near Snake Island. Hmm. The following October, she struck a she struck Wayland Canal and was uh, submerged in nine feet of water. During this two during these two incidences. No one was hurt and no major damage was uh, reported. On the same day of her disappearance, she ran aground again after leaving Fort Williams and turned back to and turned back to port. See, after the first one, I wouldn't trust it. And then if I heard the goddamn ship had a, two incidences, no. That's just glutton for punishment. Wouldn't do it. Nope, nope, nope. However, the Flying Dutchman still apparently continues to sail on the great on Lake Superior to the to this day. One particular story can attest of the urban legend. The crew of the uh, freighter Walter A. Hutchinson claimed they saw the uh, Flying Dutchman a few hundred yards away from them. The captain tried to avoid the Flying Dutchman and headed northwards. They all saw the uh, Flying Dutchman sail past them only to run aground before disappearing again. It was Walter A. Hutchins' captain had not uh, changed his cor- its course. The rocks would have destroyed the ship. Man. 
So maybe the Flying Dutchman was trying to tell him something like, Hey, yo, dipshit, watch what you fucking doing, all right? Sorry, I had to take a little break. Get the whistle wet again. Mm-hmm. All right, our next story is. Uh, oh, this one is the what? The sand beach, and oh, here it is. Cannon Beach. I believe this is uh up in Oregon. Okay, we have all heard of the stories of long stretches of road being creepy and haunted at beginning on a uh, cliffside and you get highway 101 just outside of Cannon Beach in Oregon it is said that for the past 50 years various motorists have told stories about seeing a man covered in bandages some have some have seen him on the side of the road while others see him in the near view, in their uh, rear view mirror, of course they, uh, of course, with all spirits, he seems to vanish into thin air after they look back to see if he's uh, or if they are in any danger. Same dismiss dismiss it as a folklore, but if you are driving on that stretch of road, do drive safely and be alert. And for the love of everything, don't be jumpy and cause an accident. The road looks dangerous enough as it is without you causing trouble about the bandage man. All right, I got some more stuff on him. Oh, sorry, I hit that too hard. I think I'm right here. The candy man can. The bandage man can. <laughs> okay, now this is going to flip-flop between that stretcher road and Cannon Beach. Okay, the bandage man sometimes uh, blamed on a logger that was okay. This is one of the explanations. They say uh, the... the, uh, the uh, Bandage man sometimes, they say, is a uh, logger that was memed at the uh, nearby mill that made his uh, earliest document t- back in the 50s. That's when the story first started coming about it, coming around about him. He was like, it was likely a spooky story told around beach uh, bonfires by teens weaned on monster movies and, you know, scary stuff. Still, after hearing that tale, that tale late at night, then retiring to their uh, tents of a secluded road for a little third base action, you know what I mean? It's a story that carries enough creepy ways to seriously kill the mood, which is why it's proceeded for decades. Here's another little story of the lady from Cannon Beach was speaking about this so-called urban myth in a paranormal investigator group online. Her name is Unknown. Okay. 
Okay, yeah, I guess this story I'm fixing to read is in this woman's words. Let me get a drink. Mmm. Yummy to my tummy. Okay, the bandage man is a phenom of a man completely wrapped in bandages that haunts its small community. The blood figure who smells of rotting flesh jumps into vehicles passing on a road outside of town. Notably, pickup trucks are open-top cars, but also sedans and station wagons he likes, too. And even sports cars he'll jump right in. He don't give a shit. Sometimes the mummy breaks uh, windows. Sorry, that's an Amber Alert on my phone. Sorry, guys. Um, sometimes the mummy breaks windows or leaves behind bits of blood or foul-smelling bandages. One legend has it that he is the ghost of a dead logger cut cut to pieces in a, in a uh, sawmill accident. That's not what I heard. I heard the opposite. Uh, this is where the story started. One night, one night, two of the... Let me make sure I'm reading the right side. Okay. All right. Here we go. This is where the story started. One night, two of the local girls were up there doing just what teenage boys and girls do when they are uh, parked on uh, dark, lonely roads. They play on their phones. The boy had an old Chevy pickup. His girl and he were sitting in the cab. All of a sudden, they felt the truck sort of lean like something was moving uh, around in the bed of the truck. They turned to look out their window, and they were looking back. Back was a bandaged face with only some weird-looking eyes showing their eye holes in the bandages. The uh, bandaged figure started uh, beating the glass on beating the glass and the top of the cab. The kid the kid started started his engine, got it in gear and tore out of there. His girlfriend screaming in terror as the man in the back continued his pounding. I'm just going to leave that there. Any of you who have been to uh, Bandage Man Road or Cannon Beach know how curvy the roads are and to drive them at high speeds is dangerous. They went after they went after that seemed an extremely that they made it to uh, downtown Cannon Beach where the boy's family owned a service station that they lived next door in a greenhouse. Once they got there, they locked they locked it in the uh, back and the uh, bandage figure was nowhere to be seen. That would be creepy. Here's another thing. I have been aware of the story for over 40 years. For I was a child in the community where it 
where it got its start. I knew some of the family of the kin that first encountered the uh, bandage man. There was an, there is an old road that for all these years was I was growing up was known as Bandage Man Road. It was just an old section of Highway 101 that had been bypassed when a new section put it in its place, but was still accessible and it wasn't very long just a uh, loop of the uh, highway and the whole thing from end to end could be driven in maybe five minutes or so the loop of the road was a popular place for the kids to go and park and make out that was around 1960 61 so yeah it's crazy be uh watching out you know when you want to go out there and Make out in your car there, kiddos. Watch out. That's why you shouldn't be doing the nasty like that. I was a good boy. Ah. Okay. We will be right back. We're going to do a commercial break. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder... Are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am my your co host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, unsolved urban murders, le- unsolved murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends, we're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff then you uh, need to listen to what's, what's really, really out, out there. there and we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora I think but we are pretty much on every platform mm-hmm. we have a YouTube channel too, or channel so go check that out it's called what's really out there so come check us out once again I'm your co-host Stephen Booth and I'm your host Stephanie Booth and this is What's What's really really out out there? We'll see you at the next episode, guys. Okay, hope you like that little commotion. We got some more stories for you. I think two more. So let's dig in. Excuse me. Equally missed. Oh, we're going to go over the Great Salt Lake in Utah. Equally. Uh, equally mysterious is what will happen when the uh, beds dry up this summer as the lake reaches its lowest level in recorded history. Microbiologists are uh, living rocks. They start as squishy mats of fecitinic microscopic, anyways. Trapping sediment and bending it into their uh, mat. They are made of, and it 
and add it to their home. Oh, okay. Over hundreds of years, microbiologists grew layer by layer. The topmost layer is the act one, which uh, micro, whatever that damn thing is, and brine fly larvae live. Okay, now this is supposed to be talking about the fucking lake and scary stuff. Not that science stuff. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, here we go. Sorry, my bad. Let me flip this shit around. That was towards the end. I didn't have to read that. My bad. Okay, start this over again. Take five. Ready? <clears throat> okay. I'm going to go over the Great Salt Lakes in Utah. Abandoned places have a special allure. As if calling out to tourists and uh, paranormal experts and scientists alike. The Great Lakes is one of the most unique places on the planet. As the largest saltwater lake in the Western Hemisphere. And seven times saltier than the ocean. It's hard to miss on the map. Yet it remains one of the one of Utah's best kept secrets. It's where a grave digger, a haunted building, and a monster all find their place with a desert landscape complete with sea monkeys. Y'all remember sea monkeys when you was a kid, don't you? I remember them things. They didn't really do shit besides jump around a little bit. I mean, I don't know. They weren't that exciting. Okay. Some no, uh, some of these uh, sea, mon sea monkeys are no bigger than a pinhead and probably known as brine shrimp. Hold the mysterious mysteries of the la of lake within them, within them. The skin on their stomach and gills allows them to control how much salt enters their bodies better than any other organism in the world. Brine shrimp are both, okay, anyways. Brine shrimp are meaning or mining their eggs or meaning that their eggs hatch within the uterus, producing live young, and then, then they can give birth to eggs which hatch outside the body. What are we going to get to the fucking ghost stories and stuff? I didn't. Go, I ain't Bill Nance, the science guy. Sorry. They also can create a hard wallard shell around their embryo that can dry up, uh, be stagnant for thousands of years, and hatch after a good soak in some water. Whoa, that's crazy. They are a true organism time capsule. Okay, Come on, ghost stories. The Great Lakes is the largest body of water. Okay, you've already fucking said that. Uh, So-called the lake home. Okay, here we go. Here we go about some monsters. Uh, oh, this talks about how big it is real quick. It's 1,700 square miles with a maximum depth of 33 feet. And... Uh, it's large enough to create its own weather patterns and dangerous storms. 
That's crazy. The uh, it was uh, settled and the area was settled back in the uh, eighteen in eighteen forty seven. Okay. Okay, here's something about a monster. So, could the lake be home to a monster? Well, that is exactly what a group of men who worked for the uh, Berries and uh, Company Saltworks thought on a warm July evening of 1877. They reported seeing a huge creature with a crocodile-like body in the head of a horse in the waters of the Great Lakes. It was said to make a fearsome blowing no nose, a fearsome blowing nose. It has a fearsome blowing nose, as it charged a group of men while men who ran up a uh, nearby hillside and hid until the morning light. The next day, they returned to the area. They found large overturned rocks in the ground along the shoreline was tore up these men weren't the only ones to claim to have witnessed the monster in the lake a man known as brother bainbridge claims to have been a seen the claims to have seen a monster with a dolphin swimming in the lake near antelope island in the uh, 1840s and early Navajo and early native Americans tell stories of water babies luring their victims into the water only to be captured and uh, dragged down into the depths of the lake. Never to be seen again. Never. Okay. John bet John Batis an immigrant who drive, who drifted into the salt who drifted into Salt Lake City one day in the late eighteen fifties found work as a grave digger. Twelve years later in eighteen sixty two concerns rose about the body of a deceased man. Moroni Glosson, which eventually led investigators to John Batis it was soon discovered that the gravedigger had been stealing clothes and jewelry, jewelry from the bodies he was charged to bury. He was uh, later convicted on 300 counts of uh, discarding graves. Moments believed that their loved ones would be uh, restricted on, a, on Judgment Day wearing the very clothes they were buried in, making making this loosump crime an unthinkable and cruel act of public outrage. People were mad at this motherfucker. Man, this is a pretty big lake. The uh, public deserved that the uh, man deserved their real cruel punishment. <clears throat> but it wasn't bad enough for his uh, imprisonment or hanging. Instead, territorial authorities settled Bastet, who was taken to Formant Island by rowboat and left to die on the inhospitable exposed island all alone. That's fucked up. 
It's like, here you go. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Mm. Okay, where was I at? Dismissed to be. Okay. Several weeks. Oh, okay. They said, they, okay, he was left there. Okay. Uh, this guy ain't dead yet. Okay. When authorities went to the island to check on Best Days several weeks later, they discovered that he had escaped, and it assumed that he dismantled a small shack on the island, built a raft, and floated to the and floated to freedom. But years later, hunters found a skeleton still shacked in a leg leg irons. Some say these were the uh, bones of Bastet. But nobody knows if it was uh, shackled or he was left on Fragment Island fueling speculations that he had escaped and was alive and free. But if the skeleton wasn't best day, then whose was it? Hmm. It's Memorex. Let me see if they got another stuff about spooky stories. Uh, no, not really. All right, that was the, uh, Great Salt Lake. I would like to go see that, but, they, man, that it's a pretty big freaking, uh, lake, but it's all salt. All that water just going to waste. I mean, that's crazy. Okay. Well, I got one more story. And I guess I'll tell that. <laughs> right, our next story is <sighs> Yellowstone Lake. The mysterious Yellowstone Lake whispers, listens to eerie Yellowstone Lake music. <laughs> All right, Yellowstone Lake is a place where millions go. Seeking solitude in silence. Some visitor some visitors to the lake to the lake area have experienced remarkable sensational sounds of unknown and unexplained organs. And and nobody wants to talk about it. And everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It didn't happen to me. Any kind of Bigfoot thing or alien conspiracy, probably a riot. Or wait, probably not. That's what it means. Any kind of Bigfoot thing or alien conspiracy, probably not. Yellowstone Lake sounds are often dis uh, are often discussed by park insiders. It's a kind of mystery that nobody wants to talk about. But respected scientists and Paramount, Paramount Park figures have reported hearing, excuse me, hearing stuff. Okay, theories, uh, theory on the case of these sound include uh, flocks of birds in flight, erupting volcano gas, excuse me. Uh, erupting volcano gas, uh, 
seismic activity and the grounding of uh, static electricity in the lake. Hmm, that's weird. Of course, there are also ghost stories associated with the phenom that's suggested that the sound is produced by spirits of Native Americans who are are drowning victims. It's been referred to as music, a her, a, it's been referred to as music, a hum, or a whisper, but an explanation of a mystery noises that has been heard by some people over Yellowstone, li- Yellowstone Lake has been, uh, has, ne- has never been found. You have to uh, dig deep into old papers, newspapers, and books and books to find a trace of these strange sounds. But it seems that these weird noises have been noted by several uh, sources in the uh, in the Shashan Lake to the south of Yellow of Yellow <coughs> of Yellowstone Lake. Since the early days of the park's exploration, as described as Herm M. Sintang, he said, uh, okay, in his book, in 1895, in his book, The Yellowstone National, okay, okay, I guess, uh, resembling the ringing of the telegraph wires humming, of some bees beginning softly in the distance, growing rapidly plainer until directly overhead, and then fading as rapidly into the opposite direction. So, that's pretty weird. They hear noises and stuff. They don't really talk about what they hear exactly. But, same thing here. They hear... Uh, some other noises, and they go directly over their head to pass across the sky, growing fainter and fainter towards the southwest. That is pretty pretty weird, man. Need to go check that out. Yellowstone Lake. Maybe you'll hear the uh, Indian music. That last two stories kind of suck, guys. And I'm sorry for that. So, my bad if them two last ones sucked. Well, because I don't read these a whole lot when I'm looking them up. I start them just a little bit and then kind of just run through, see if there's ghost stories in there, actually. And then I print it up. I want to keep it more organic and keep it uh, surprising, you know, like surprise when I uh, <coughs> read it. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, because some of the way these people die and what happens is fucked up. Oh, oh well. But hey, guys, I'm glad you had fun tonight. I hope it wasn't too scary for you, my ghouls and guys. But remember, this has been Ghost Stories told from the South, and I am your host, Stephen LaBooth. I hope you have a good evening and a great time at work or whatever you're doing. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube. This hits... Every Wednesday now, my YouTube videos hit the same time the audio does. Go check us out on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Go check us out on the Ghost Stories Told from the South Facebook. 
Maybe we'll start a group chat or something. Get something going there, guys. Uh, man, it's hard to believe tomorrow's already Wednesday. Well, when you hear it, it's going to be Wednesday. So, But hey, guys, uh, don't forget, check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, all that good stuff. I'm going to, I don't know, maybe try to look into growing this a little more. But like I said, I think I want to thank everybody who listens and the numbers I keep getting are getting bigger. Thank you for the reviews I'm getting. Thank you for the downloads and the subscribes. Like I said, on YouTube right now, hit that, that, hit that subscribe button. You on the audio part, wherever you're listening, hit that uh, following button so you get all the notifications whenever I do something. So, hey, hey, hey. But you guys, it's been fun. It's been real. It's late, and I'm ready for bed. i got to finish this up, and I'll have it ready for you all tomorrow, guys. But this has been Ghost Stories Told from the Sabbath. And I'm your host. Even Le Booth. I hope you have a great evening, my little ghosting girls. Don't stay up too late now telling skelly stories. <laughs>